Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. You know what? It doesn't get any different, really. Uh, you know, we've we've had to face Rodgers, and last week it was Watson, and Tannehill was playing good. The receivers that they're playing, and the, and the quarterback, obviously, and it's not going to get any easier for them. So they just got to go out and keep refining their technique, keep keep getting better at what they're what they're doing, keep learning about NFL football, you know, and then go out and compete. Go out and, you know, challenge people. That was Mike Zimmer talking about how screwed his secondary is <laughs> with Russell Wilson on the schedule next. And Matt, poor Matt Ryan, we all saw him last night. And then Aaron Rodgers, which we'll talk about that. But uh, this is a nerd football segment Tuesday on the show. Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com is going to join. And I hear Declan, it's we're recording this in the morning, and he's right. already into the Corona Hard Seltzers. Well, uh, the cornerbacks and I have uh, gathered around to have some Corona Hard Seltzers because if uh, you can't at least defend the pass, you can sip on some Corona Hard Seltzers. That's true. So that's that's not the worst uh, worst trade off in the world. And this month and every month, discover Corona Hard Seltzer, the only hard seltzer made with pure beach vibes, with a refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime, mango, cherry, and blackberry lime. Corona Hard Seltzer is a tasty spike, sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment in each can. Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, 90 calories, and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer mm. spikes sparkling water with natural flavors imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. And I don't want to be disrespectful, but I think you could have replaced George Iloka in that game with a with can a- of Corona Hard Seltzer, and you might have had the same He would not uh, mess up that touchdown. Oh, no. that's brutal. You guys what? are... Oh, man. What? All right. All right. Let's uh, let's Zim's drink, though. Like, where's Zim's drink? The corners need drinks, but Zim ne- needs a drink, too. Okay? Football. He's got red wine. Yeah, that's true. And a whole lot of it. First and goal, Vikings. Feeling in motion. Dalvin Cook. Forward. And in for a Viking touchdown. Dalvin Cook. He's going to get a first down. And Dalvin Cook pushes his way toward the end zone. And Dalvin Cook will be a feature in our football nerd segment of the week here. It's Mackie and Judd. It's Declan producing and our friend Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. She is a wonderful Vikings reporter. And uh, there's a lot of things to get to here before we even dive into our, our nerd stats. Because the Vikings, as we're taking the microphones here, sent out an email saying, Sorry, Vikings fans, you won't be allowed inside the building yet again on October 18th to watch Matt Ryan run for his life. Um, so, so a couple things of note, 
No fans for October 18th. And Courtney, the Vikings got a coach mm-hmm. fired yesterday. So that's great. They, they sure did. They sure did. That is, uh, I think Mike Zimmer is the last coach from that 2014 cycle to have a job. Wow. Um, and that's kind of crazy when you think about like how long ago that was, but also like it feels like it wasn't that long ago and just kind of like what they have to, what those coaches have to show for it since that period. Um, no Super Bowls among any of them. And uh, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about with the Texan situation that they had every chance to win that game. And it was their own ineptitude, which was really and truly sparked by their own coaching decisions, GM decisions, play calling decisions, the whole <laughs> gamut um, that got them in trouble. So, I mean, honestly, you could have seen this coming from like weeks away that eventually it was going to have to happen unless it, and honestly, just saying um, the McNair family seemed like they were really, really dug in on Bill O'Brien. It wasn't just Cal. Like people think, Oh, it's just Cal being a football guy. Like Janice McNair is also very much a part of the decision-making process down there. And she loved Bill O'Brien. So to my understanding, it was, you know, kind of a shock to certain people who work for that organization that O'Brien was let go because he was basically almost given an ownership stake at this point. And he just kept taking and taking and taking Um, different roles, different responsibilities, sometimes too much. But um, I think this is a lesson in ownership, not speaking to any specific ownership group that yes, you can go ahead and make incredible financial commitments to certain people, to certain players, to certain personnel people, Um, and you can also cut bait just as quickly. Um, And Bill O'Brien was under contract through 2022, and he just got the GM title in January. So they're going to be paying him for a while, but they also had to realize that the direction of the franchise was going very, very steep south. Like, it it wasn't going to go get any better with Bill O'Brien as the head coach. So cutting your losses, as expensive as it may be, and as embarrassing as it may be, given this is the guy, like you just fired the guy who put you in a massive hole that's going to take years to recover from considering the Miami Dolphins own your first round draft pick next year and you don't have a second round draft pick in 2021. Um, You're in a bad spot. Like this is not a franchise. I think anybody, you know, is like chomping at the bit to take over. People like throwing Eric Biennemi's name out there. Why would he want to go there? For real. I mean, yes, Deshaun Watson's there and you do have some talent at the receiver position. The offensive line is up and down, but Laramie Tunzel's really good. Um, I don't see why anybody would want to take that job on unless you are given kind of the Kyle Shanahan guarantee that when you take over, you have ample amount of time to make something work because that is going to be a years-long rebuilding process, which, honest to God, it didn't have to be. If we could have put ego aside and realized that you have the best receiver in the NFL in your locker room, Put the ego aside. Let him stay there. If he doesn't want to practice, don't make him practice. Don't let any of your personal nonsense and your egomaniac um, whatever get in the way of a good franchise. Because you, you screwed Deshaun Watson over, and you really you screwed yourself over the day that you traded DeAndre Hopkins away for a bag of chips and David Johnson. And that has <laughs> yeah. not worked out whatsoever. Um, so honestly, you got what came to you congratulations you played yourself you did this to yourself and honestly the 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 wave of just damage that he left in his path is honestly very disheartening to see because it sucks when one person takes down an entire franchise and i've never seen something like this happen before the cautionary tale in my opinion though starts with people that own the club the mcnair's courtney to your point because of this and it feels like we don't see this as much now um but giving the coach control of the 53 man roster 
unless mm-hmm. unless that person's name is Belichick, he's akin to death. Because yeah. and, and I, I saw this in, in Green Bay, Sherman had the same problem, and it was the same with Brad Childress, who did not get the GM title, but had the contractual power of control of the 53. And the problem is this, and we saw it Sunday, and it's the one thing that I don't think we've ever seen consistently from Zim's players. They've had off days, and they've been mad. Uh, but the second you control the 53-man and make decisions and jettison guys and cut guys and decide to pay some guys but not some guys, that's when they quit for you. So, like, yeah. like it takes – you can push the envelope of quitting on a coach pretty far down, and players might actually come back and be like, we should play harder for Zim or for Dan Quinn or something. I don't know. Dan, 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 Dan Quinn. Quinn. We should play harder for Dan Quinn. Dude, but, Dan but, Quinn the se- but the second you screw with my money and my friends mm-hmm. and your control, and then you come downstairs. Like, this is the one thing I've never understood about really rich people who decide that they're going to go in this direction – with football teams or sports teams in general. What on mm-hmm. earth would make you think that a bunch of of highly paid professional athletes could process the fact that the guy who's asking them to play hard in Bill O'Brien's case is also their ultimate boss. Like you're going to they and the Houston Texans, make no mistake, they quit. Like like that game on Sunday mm-hmm. was awful to watch. It was embarrassing. They quit. And and the one thing that I found to be really intriguing was watching the post game Courtney with Deshaun Watson and JJ Watt and both of them, both of them in their comments um, had the passion as if they had seen a fender bender. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's too bad. And I said, he's done. He's absolutely done. But that's the thing. Never give control of your team to one person. It will always backfire. Bill Belichick is such an exception. It's not even funny. It's just like the Belichick model's dying. Like Bill, Bill Belichick's going to be coaching for however many more years, and you will never see something like this, like the like the power of control that he has over the Patriots, happen anywhere else. And I've said this all along. Bill O'Brien tried to make the Patriots, the uh, the the Houston Texans, the Patriots of the AFC South. It didn't work. Matt Patricia tried to do it in the NFC North. It didn't work, and it still will not work. Like I don't know why everybody's trying to be about Bill Belichick because you just can't. You can't replace that and you can't replicate that. And honestly, like there's a lot of hubris if you think that you can honestly carry out that model. But like the Bill Belichick model is not going to last much longer. Like you, the whole thing of like trading of, of you letting your best player walk in free agency because you're trying to prove a point when this guy says, like, I want to play till I'm 45. Like only Bill Belichick can get away with that. But like no one should be able to get away with it. I honestly think it's just straight up arrogance on his part, too. Does it work? Maybe, but they, you know, they didn't really make it that far in the playoffs last year. I'm talking about the Patriots. That is like, unless that you can consistently from here on out, consistently turn out Super Bowl wins and have that same sort of power structure. I don't think it's worth it, but you know, that's, that's a power structure that is so entrenched in that franchise until there's a complete turnover. It's just going to be what it is. Like why fight it? Why is Robert Kraft going to fight that? He's not, but like other places like, the Houston Texans that have made the playoffs four or five years under Bill O'Brien. Um, and then they start to see, wow, we are really terrible. Like ownership stepped in, I think way too late personally. I think that they had already given, I mean, you're just throwing money out the window. I'm not somebody who likes wasting money. I'm not a billionaire, but I just think it's financially. So I get irritated. I think it's financially irresponsible um, and a slap in the face, basically to like everybody in the league and, and really the people, the power, the people who are pushing up, holding up the power structure your front office people, your scouts, your every your your low level coaches, everything to be throwing around money like that and just be like, all right, we're gonna start over. 
it's your prerogative. It's your franchise. Like, but you are not going to be good for a while. And you did it to yourself because you didn't have to give him the GM title. I know that they thought maybe like that he knows the team, like he's already made the, the decisions before. I don't know. Like, I think it was stupid. I think the fire, you know, what they did with Rick Smith was stupid. It bit them really hard. Um, you know, Jack Easterby, does anybody know how a team chaplain can just kind of like snake his way through? Honest to God, this feels like a Judas situation. That's what happened there. here once <laughs> with Denny. Team chaplain happened here too. I don't want to alarm you, but yeah. No, but it's utter nonsense. The guy like gets in the, like lies on his resume. Um, that's kind of weird. And the Texans are like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like clearly it is. And then he like stabs Bill, Ga- uh, Brian Gain in the back and then stabs Bill O'Brien, the guy is literally Judas. Like, I mean, I don't want to hear it any other way. And I think it's kind of a fun religious play considering he was a team chaplain at one point. But um, I just, I mean, the Texan situation is a lesson in not delegating so much power to one side. Um, And honestly, you're just never going to see the power structure of a Patriots. Like, I know so many people have tried to make it happen before and it hasn't worked. so let this kind of be a lesson to everybody around the league that don't be Bill O'Brien. Don't try to do it this I, way. See, see, he single-handedly ruined that team the day that he the day that June of 2019 when he decided he wasn't paying Jadavian Clowney. That was a dom- one of the many dominoes that ultimately decided that he would no longer be the head coach there. I have a hot take for you guys, or maybe it's more just like a new goal for the Vikings this season. So they got they got one coach fired, Bill O'Brien out. The Vikings the Vikings were just sort of the the last straw there. They they sort of leaned on the the shaky infrastructure and tipped the building over, right? I think the Vikings can get three coaches fired this year. Dan Quinn is on very shaky ground, especially after what we saw in National TV last night. He might TV not get night, to that right? game, by the way. Yeah, that's like is he going to make it? Yeah, no, you got to get him. Who do they play this week? We need Atlanta to like have some sort of miraculous victory. Let me check their schedule. They've got the Panthers this week. Okay, so Atlanta, Atlanta could beat the Panthers this week. Or below a 20-point Show a little yeah. life, and then march into U.S. Bank Stadium, and the Vikings could get Dan Quinn fired on, it would be the Monday, October 19th is when he would get fired. Okay. And then, dare I say, two shots at Matt Patricia on Sunday, November 8th, and then later on at the end of the year, I mean, like, if he's still around in, in week 17, you're for sure getting him fired, Right. Could the Vikings get three coaches fired? That should be their goal. Like those are your Super Bowls. If you can finish three well, and thirteen, and all three of those wins are fired coaches, that's a win for wait, everybody. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I think I think that there's a, a potential fourth because you're crappy and you've got two shots at the Bears and Nagy. You think Nagy's mm-hmm. on the ropes though? Oh yeah. I mean they have a winning record. Yes, like, but I think that it's. I think that's more of a tw- not a twenty twenty one move. I think they're going to clean house with that group in twenty twenty two. I think they've got one more year. Personally. Don't you guys okay. think? Don't you, you guys think? I think the thing about losing to, to the Vikings in two thousand nineteen is it's the edge of the cliff for coaches because basically, if you're going to lose like the Texans did, it's a give up game to what's really not a good team. Mm-hmm. So like or, ordinarily, you know, most years. We lost to the Vikings. That was a tough game, man. The Vikings are good. That defense is stout. Now it gets you fired. Like, this is a third-grade defense. You're picking people off the street to play linebacker. In fact, fact, I like the way you're twisting this. Bill O'Brien getting fired is a slap in the face to the Vikings. If I'm the Vikings, I would be offended. Wait a second. 
You're shocked? What do you Score mean? Scorenorth.com, I wrote that. It's Ridiculous. the final. The Vikings are the final straw of 2019. Use it as fuel, Mike sorry. Zimmer. These teams think we're garbage, and they're firing their coaches because <laughs> we beat them. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're right. Whiteboard material. Are you guys ready to nerd out here? Yeah. Get those nerds! Nerd! Nerd! Let's fire up some, uh, anytime we can fire up some appropriate football music, I think we'll take that chance. So this is our football nerd segment of the week in which we throw out different little numbers and trends and we attempt to tell you what they mean and why they matter or why they don't matter. Let's start off with this one here. The Vikings are different in terms of offensive power versus defensive power than they've been really any year under Mike Zimmer. If you just want to go off yards per play, which is a very simple, like, how many yards are you allowing per play? Not total yards, not garbage time as much. The Vikings have the fifth best offense in the NFL yards per play after four games, 23rd defensively. Also, the defense has generated the second fewest quarterback hits. And so, I don't know, personally, I don't see that dynamic changing a lot. If the Vikings are going to win games, it's going to be because they outscore opponents, which is shocking Mm -hmm. to say for a Mike Zimmer team, Courtney. Yeah, absolutely. But that's the that's the nature of the NFL right now. Scoring is way up um, and it's kind of at like in a really alarming rate. And maybe you expect that because defenses didn't have the time to, you know, get it together and like figure out, OK, this is how we tackle uh, as evidenced by the Atlanta Falcons last night. Like, I don't even know if they tried like, wow, watching some of their tackling. Was Wait, really did you terrifying. did you see the numbers? I saw this come across ESPN stats and info. Speaking of Dan Quinn, by the way, Aaron Rodgers was 20 for 20 for 240 yards and four touchdowns when targeting running backs and tight ends in that game. <laughs> That's not allowed. Not, not surprised. That's not, no, no, no. I talked to Coobs. That's not allowed. <laughs> the league outlawed those two. Oh, it, look, it goes to a receiver or nobody. Yeah, well, I guess if you're wondering when's Irv Smith going to show up and when's Dalvin Cook going to catch passes, October 18th against the Falcons, it's probably going to happen. Yeah, probably. No, I mean, I think that. The trend that we've seen so far, like the methodology for this Vikings offense to win games, you're going to have to outscore your opponent. You're going to have to get in shootouts. And these games are probably going to end up getting decided in the final two minutes, kind of like the big scare that they had against Houston with, is it a catch? Is it not a catch? And obviously it was not a catch. Um, And now when you think about the, the Falcons, like they've got a or not the Falcons, the Seahawks, they have a terrible, they have like literally the worst defense in the NFL right now, like worse than the Texans, if you can believe that. Um, so what do I expect? That's going to be a shootout. It's going to be like Rams-Vikings 2018, where it's just going back and forth and back and forth, and someone, probably Russell Wilson's going to have a perfect passer rating. Um, but like, don't think for a second that the Seahawks defense is not hot garbage, because it is. And, and that's going to lead... You know, Kirk said, what did he say? If anytime you're scoring 30 plus points and 500, putting up nearly 500 yards, you're doing something right. Well, that's probably going to be the what happens this weekend in, in, in Sunday Night Football. So he, here's a stat from Courtney's employer, ESPN Stats and Info, that Kevin Seifert tweeted out today. It's incredible. NFL games have averaged a combined 49.8 points in 2020. That's the most through four weeks in the Super Bowl era, which is wow. post 1966. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing is this one, guys. If you're the league, you love this preseason's history. Preseason games, forget the defense, right? Yeah, L- usually like sep- this is their dream. Usually, Points. September football is ugly. I feel like maybe someone can disprove this, but I feel like teams have a hard time scoring in September sometimes. But 
I'll take I'll take the ugly football shootouts over like the seventeen to ten mm-hmm. situations. I feel like defenses in September aren't um aren't up to snuff yet, but offense but they're good enough, just good enough that offenses are rusty enough that they don't look great. Now sure. it sort of defaulted to oh defenses are optional. They're terrible. So if you're a halfway decent quarterback or offense, you can't help but score. So it's very it's it's weird, but if you're the league, I don't think you're gonna look this gift horse in the mouth and, and be like too much offense hey, in 2020. Here's the other thing. To Courtney's point about shootouts, like this Sunday, you know, if, if the game flow plays out the way that it has the first month, then the Seahawks are going to beat the Vikings like 38 to 27 or something or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I think if if this is the type of game flow we're going to see for the Vikings, then Kirk Cousins is going to have probably four or five more chances late in games to add on to to the uh, game-winning drive stat that we talked about a week or so ago. Like he's going to have the ball yeah. in his hands down 31 to 28 or whatever, probably five times this season. And, and that's what he said, like, during his post-game press conference about the final 10 minutes. Like, they have to be better there because you're not going to always have a team that you can rely on to fall apart in the final moments of the game, like the Houston Texans. I mean, yeah, they had they had the Vikings defense backed up against the goal line once again, third trip inside the red zone, and they came away with no points. But, like, a good offense, it's not going to always be the case. So, I think that you look at that situation and say, yeah, Kirk, like you guys need to control time of possession there in the fourth quarter, but also like hit Adam Phelan, uh, extend drives. Like, you know, you cannot fall apart in even with a lead. They had a what, 31 16 lead with 10 54 to go, and then it got cut 31 23 because of that late touchdown over George Iloka, RIP. Um, but it uh, <laughs> it's not a situation that you. You just drop an RIP on yeah. George. Island. Bless your son. Bless you. Get those nerds, nerds, nerds. Yeah. It's um, it's one of those situations. I think is for for any offense, you you kind of lick your chops at it and think, okay, like these are really bad defenses. You know, Atlanta's awful too. So I mean, Kirk has back to back weeks where he's probably going to have to be the guy with the ball in his hands at the end of the game. Do you trust him enough to do that? Like, that's where I think you got to rely on Dalvin Cook. Just run the clock out. If you have a lead, run the ball, run the clock out, stay in bounds. That's a good segue. Good segue into the next nerd football statistic. Dalvin Cook, I got a couple for for you guys. Uh, Actually, three here. Dalvin Cook leads the NFL in rushing yards by 50 yards right now after the first month over Aaron Jones. He's the highest graded running back just in terms of his running ability on uh, Pro Football Focus. And according to Pro Football Focus, he has the fifth best elusive rating, which takes into account missed tackles and yards after contact. It's basically how good are you independent of a great offensive line or a mediocre offensive line. And he's fifth best in elusive rating. So all the signs pointing to Dalvin Cook emerging just like we all sort of thought he would with, you know, given the usage as one of the top two or three running backs in the NFL. In that yards after contact stat that you brought up, Phil, like 66 of 130 of his rushing yards on Sunday came after contact. I mean, you saw it on that six or seven yard touchdown, whatever it was, the first one where he like rolls the guy off his back and then stiff arms the guy at the end zone. Um, That's who he is. He can rise above your offensive line play. Um, And it's not that the run blocking was bad or anything, but it's just you were in such a tight, condensed space there in the red zone. Like, he was going to be met with defenders in his face immediately, and he could still fight through that contact to get you a touchdown. So, I mean, 
the only thing I worry about, like when I saw him kneeling there at the end of the fourth quarter, and I was like, oh gosh, like whenever it was in the fourth quarter, is he hurt? And he walked off and he was fine. He wasn't ruled out. Like I think he was able to come back in, but um, it's just that that's the type of stuff that's worrisome. And you're thinking all the contact he's fighting through. It's like, is that why you're starting to see this like interesting rotation later in games between him and Alexander Madison? Maybe, maybe that's what it is, but um, you know, just being mindful of that, I think, is something to consider. So, off that point, Courtney, here's my here's my thing. Um, Madison's not a bad player, okay? He's fine. Back mm-hmm. up. But Dalvin Cook is a, in this offense, is one of probably two or three tops difference makers that they definitely have. I think if you really want to control the clock and win games and, and have the perception of play action being a threat throughout games... Dalvin Cook has to be on the field and has to touch the ball. I think if you want to win games, you need to have him, and this is a lot, average around 30 touches per game. I think that now, would be an historic rate, though. It would be. It would be. But here's like a McCaffrey rate that's not really uh, sustainable. But, right. I, but I agree with you, Judd. I mean, but yeah. Here, but here's, but here's, here's the point to bring up that's extremely important about his position. Let's say you say, okay, 30 is way too much. Let's keep it to 22, okay? Those eight carries aren't going to come back in three years and be like, thank God we didn't overuse them in 2020 because now in 2023 or so we can add carries. You can't. But could they bite you next year when you're you're destined to be better next year and you run him for you know, 400 well, carries and touches? And that becomes – the question is, is – and I know what your answer is, Phil, and I know what mine is, and I think I know what Declan's is. I don't care about the wins. I'm just saying if you want wins, which I think Kubiak and Zimmer do, I don't see a way around not overusing Dalvin Cook. This is why the whole contract thing tore me apart. I never thought he he didn't deserve it as far as not being that good a player. It's the position he plays, the wear and tear, his past, and the running back position is literally a Ferrari, which you want to drive off the cliff as quick as possible. Because if you don't, <laughs> it's going to turn into a jalopy. And no, I'm serious. It turns into a jalopy, and before you know it, that Ferrari is chugging down 494 in the right lane going okay. 32. But what if I – okay, well, but I, I get what you're saying, but what if I want to use the Ferrari in 2021 when Daniil Hunter is presumably back then you have to and decide, my team is better? Then you and have to I have another, you don't want to win games this year, which, by the way, I don't care about. I'm fine with that. Hey, back to the show in just a second here, but a quick word for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has been helping business owners since 1904. Based in Owatonna, they are one of us. And you can follow Federated on Twitter, at Federated INS, for fresh, relevant risk management content on a variety of topics like working in extreme temperatures, which we see a lot of here both ways in Minnesota, distracted driving, and other topics. Also, be sure to check out this month's Risk Management Corner article addressing fire prevention uh, make sure you visit federatedinsurance.com to find out more information about how Federated can help your business. At Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. That's fair. And that's why, honestly, I think you're starting to see them spell cook in ways that, you know, I know Mike Zimmer was getting some criticism about, well, why isn't Dalvin Cook in in this situation? Like it was after the, you know, after one of the field goals against Tennessee and they had mm-hmm. a chance to kind of, I forget what the exact situation was, but it was in the fourth quarter and he wasn't in the game. It's like, okay, well, why is he not in the game? And there was moments in the fourth quarter um, and Madison scored that touchdown to make them go up 31-16. 
because Cook had the big run that kind of got after Jefferson's, after the back shoulder throw, it was then Cook, I think like a nine-yard game, something like that. Looks like he got banged up on that play, and I think they were like, okay, Madison can finish the job off. Like, that's what you have to do to preserve Dalvin Cook. But to your point about the contract, Judd, they have every way to get out of it uh, after a year or two. I think they obviously don't want to do it 2020, 2021. But after 2022, they can get out of that contract very seamlessly. So if you anticipate being really good in 2021 and you – are utilizing Dalvin Cook. Like, if you think you can still win this year, which I certainly don't, but, like, I mean, I think it's a 5-11, and 6-10 and 10 team. Um, you don't want to waste that production on a 5-11, and 6-10 and 10 team. I totally get that. But you should be able to kind of divvy things up, and maybe we're going to – maybe that's going to become more clear to us in the, in the coming weeks as we start to see Madison and, and what his role is going to be. And maybe that's clear to Dalvin Cook. It's like, hey, we know, we know it's probably not going to be great this year. We want to save you, essentially, for the following year. Get those nerds! 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 Passing game nuggets here. Kirk Cousins, we brought this up on yesterday's show, but it's worth mentioning again here. Kirk Cousins in play action, according to Pro Mm -hmm. Football Focus, a league leading 13 and a half yards per attempt. Now, just for some context, if you aren't a nerd football stat person like the three of us are, a really good yards per attempt for a full season, all different formations If you get to, like, eight yards per attempt in the NFL, that's really damn good. Nine is like, whoa, MVP caliber. Kirk is 13.5 yards per attempt when running play action with a 132.2 passer rating. Also worth noting, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are the two highest-graded wide receivers in the NFL through the first month, according to Pro Football Focus. So, um, Courtney, it would be kind of nice for the Vikings if they had a different formula where you could also put Kirk in shotgun when you're down by 14. I know, I know. Uh, but like, this is what works if they can get to the point where they're leading and they're leaning with the run game and they can leverage Kirk's strengths. He's been great this season. I just get so irritated when like people, all these like football stat people try to like outsmart us and be like, you don't need the run to set up play action. <laughs> That's like a football outsider's game plan. No disrespect to football. What's that outsiders, voice again? Like, like, no, I'm not doing it again. Come on, do the voice again. It was great. No, it's just like, there's all these people who try to, like, outsmart you. Like, people who, like, you know, dive into the stats and think that they can, yes. like, it's not actual football. But the stat nerds who, it's not even the stat it's nerds. Stat it's like nerds. It's, it's the pseudo stat nerds who think they know everything yeah. um, that, like, try to tell you you don't need to run the setup play action. Yes, you do. With this quarterback <laughs> in this offense, yes, you do. He was 9 of 11 for 180 yards and a touchdown off play action on Sunday. What do you think set that up? They ran the hell out of Dalvin Cook there in the early part of the game. He had two touchdowns in the first half. Kirk was incredibly successful with play action because he can sell a ball, a play fake. You know what, though? I could see a scenario, you know, how like sometimes hitters get psyched out in baseball. If it's a long at bat and the pitcher has thrown like six straight change-ups and they're like, I mean, I... Can he throw a seventh? Like, I, what if the Vikings just ran fifty straight play actions and like never handed off? I, and Dalvin never came out. I've heard that argument before, and kind of like what it does to like shrink the field essentially, and like because I thought you know last year, man, are the 49ers just gonna like boot their way to a championship? Like just running bootleg after bootleg with Jimmy G, and it <laughs> it made sense. Like you thought about it, and it's like okay, if it's if it's what works, and if you're getting guys to literally bite all the time on it because you sell a run of you know run play that well a fake run why not but i just think defenses by the time that they'll figure it out eventually like the pass rush will will not they'll they'll be able to sit back 
and not send guys, you know, in. And I think that eventually you will be in a situation where it just, it's, you're not going to, it's just not going to work. And I think that that's what makes Kirk so good with play action because of the way he sells it, but also how unpredictable it feels within this offense so far, because you have to account for where the linebackers are and what they're reading. Um, and kind of like, for me, that at least is like kind of the key to making play action work because are they anticipating a run play and they're going to be, you know, trying to stay in the box, stack the box, or are they going to be dropping back in coverage because they know you're about to pass. If it gets more predictable, like it's going to change what the pass rush is doing. It's going to change what the linebackers are doing. And I just don't think that you'd be in a good situation to use it all the time, but they do use it a lot. I mean, I have a stat here. Let me find it. Um, so 52 of those 65 plays that they had on, um, on Sunday were either design runs or play action drop wow. back 80%. Wow. So it's the second highest percentage of any team in, in the game this season. Get those um, nerds! 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 Coops. So, right so it's predictable is, is what I'm saying. It's like you, it, it works against bad teams. I think that you can really <laughs> exploit bad teams like the Houston Texans with that type of play. But is that going to work? consistently against good defenses. I, I just do not believe that whatsoever. Courtney, how do you see the relationship? And this is absolutely going to be imperative, not just to 2020, but probably more so 21. The relationship between Cousins and Jefferson growing, and I don't necessarily mean from the young man standpoint. I mean from the quarterback standpoint of mm-hmm. trust and the realization, and, and I know Thielen's his buddy, and man, he's fun, and I'm sure they go out to lunches together and they talk about fast cars and sports, and oh boy, isn't it fun to have your friend from third grade basically be your teammate. But the Jefferson dynamic to me is really intriguing because he can clearly do things that Thielen mm-hmm. and lots of guys can't, probably on yeah. more so the dig side. I'm not saying he's dig yet. Uh, I'll say it. How how do you see that growing, though? Because um, there's definitely still some trust building from Kirksen going on there. And I think the sooner we can crack through that ceiling, the better. Because I do think this guy has some uncanny abilities to be great. Yeah, I do, too. Um, and, I mean, you, you, if you listen and you take what Kirk said at face value, I mean, he was talking about that back shoulder throw, the 25-yard reception in, um, I think it was the fourth quarter, that set up the touchdown because he, Jefferson had four catches for just over a hundred yards. Each catch was basically uh, an average of 20 yards or more, uh, which is insane. When you think about the deep ball threat, you finally found it. You finally are utilizing this guy's four, four speed to your advantage to run these deep overs. Like it took a couple weeks, but they're finally doing it. So that's a good sign. Um, but even like with what Kirk was saying, it's like, they don't practice those back shoulder throws that often. Sean Mannion like pointed that out. He's like, "Have you and Justin been working on this?" And Kirk like has an interaction that Kirk relayed to us from the sideline after that pass. And it's a lot, a lot of that is just instinct and feel. So the more that Justin Jefferson can come through on his end and come down with the ball when Kirk is making those throws, the better it's going to feel for Kirk because there's been all this. There's been an argument made like. Does Kirk not trust his receivers? Does he not trust himself? Does he not trust the offense? Does he not trust his offensive line? Like, if he can demonstrate a consistent ability to let it rip like that um, and trust that his guy's going to come down with the ball, throw contested catches, this offense is going to work a lot better because there's not going to be like this, you know, running into a brick wall if something like that happens and it yields to a turnover. Like, Kirk didn't turn the ball over at all. On Sunday, that was like his first game, I think, in like, I think five games that he didn't have an interception or a turnover. So, I mean, that's a good sign. It's in, you know, you build off that by continuing to make those types of throws. Like, 
The throw to Kyle Rudolph, too, is kind of an underrated one. Kyle was blanketed. He had a guy following him, and he had a guy, like, over the top of him. Like, and he still made that throw. That's the type of stuff from Kirk Cousins that we need to see more often because when you have this many playmakers on offense, you don't have to always throw the ball to Adam Thielen. And that's a good sign that he's willing to not do that and, and trust a rookie receiver who he's even said, like, some of the stuff's just natural ability. You can't teach that. Okay, well, he's tapping into that natural ability and finding how he can, like, use that to his advantage. And I think that's going to be really good for him going forward. Yeah. And that is... Get those nerds! Nerd! Nerd! Your nerd football segment of the week. I'll just throw this one this one last one out here as we say goodbye. The Vikings have nine one and three starts in team history now. The last one was 2013. They finished 5-10-1. and one. Before that, it was 2010. They finished 6-10. and 10. They did make the playoffs in 2008, but they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles in the wildcard round. Uh, 07, they started 1-3. and three. They finished 8-8. Eight and eight. 05, they started 1-3 and three and finished 9-7. and seven. Uh, the, 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 I guess this is the silver lining if you're rooting for wins this year. Of all the 1-3 and three starts in Vikings history, all nine of them, their worst season is 5-11, and 11, 2001. So... If you're rooting for Tank for Trevor, then this is bad news for you. The Vikings are rarely bad enough. They will never be that bad, and that is the thing. Guys like Justin Jefferson are too talented to make sure that this team is in that awful, like, bottom of the barrel of the NFL uh, category. Like, they are in purgatory. Um, You're too good, yet you're not good enough. And that's why you're going to be probably 5-11, and 6-10, and and you will miss out on that top draft pick. You will trade back, and you'll probably get a defensive tackle or a guard. And people are going to be pissed. That's yes. Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. We appreciate it. You can you can give us some support and help spread the word about Purple Daily by giving it a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts. And also by clicking the subscribe button on YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. All right, Courtney, uh, have fun, have fun with uh, movers, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>